and welcome to Addicted to Murder. This is Courtney, licensed professional counselor with over 10 years of experience. And this is Trisha, and Mulder, my dog, has a Eulotrichus coat. Oh, that sounds very interesting. What does that mean? It means woolly or crisply curly hair. Oh, that makes sense. It also kind of sounds like luxurious, and he does have a luxurious coat. He's got super thick hair that we just had to cut a bunch off because he got into the burrs this last weekend. Yeah. But he's still cute. He has so much hair you can't really tell. I mean, I can, Mm -hmm. but most people can't tell that we cut off like half of his hair this weekend. Yes. And he got into the poison oak, so we're hoping that we do not have poison oak show up in the next couple days because that would suck balls. I also hope that you don't have a poison oak. Those of you who don't have to worry about poison oak or poison ivy because either you're not allergic to it or you don't live in an area that has it, I envy you. We have a lot of it out here. Oh, it's terrible. And if I look at it wrong, I'll get it. Mm. Bad. It's disgusting. But anyways, welcome to Addicted to Murder, like Courtney said. And it's Courtney's time for question asking. Yes. So... I know we've talked a lot before about kind of the true crime podcasts that have sort of inspired us and that we listen to, Um, but that's not the only thing that we listen to. And so my question today is, um, Trisha, what is a non-true crime podcast that you really enjoy? I love Jim Jeffries, and he has a podcast called I Don't Know About That, and He's a comedian. He's an Australian comedian, for those of you who don't know. And basically the premise is that they bring an expert on in some random field, cheese, the moon, taxes, whatever, and um, they learn about it. Like, it's a learning show, but it's hilarious because he is hilarious. So I I love – I don't know about that with Jim Jeffries. Ooh, nice. So how about you? Um, so lately I've been really enjoying, um, Pod Meets World, which is a podcast by, um, three of the original cast of the show Boy Meets World, which I loved which three? as a kid. So it's Daniel Fischel, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Topanga, mm-hmm. Ryder Strong, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Sean, mm-hmm. and Will Friedel, a.k.a. Eric. Eric. Okay. I yeah. used to watch that show too. Uh, it's so good. And so they are, um... Not only going back and re-watching the episodes mm-hmm. and kind of commenting on them um, now that it's been like 30 years since it started um, and talking about like their experiences on the show and as child actors and what it was like. And it is really funny and really interesting mm-hmm. and I really like it. I watched that show too. I might check that out. It's pretty great. Hmm. Cool. Well, good question, Courtney. Yeah. Thanks. And then today, right, Trisha, you got to pick our new subject. Yeah, and it's a doozy. Um, I I can't preface this enough. This is a, this might be disgusting for you guys to listen to. Um, there is child abuse, animal abuse, bestiality, um, war crimes, serial killing. It's it was tough. Like it was a very interesting read. So the book that I um, read was called the misbegotten son by Jack Olson. And it's the true story of Arthur Shawcross who I think I had recognized the name, but I didn't know anything really about him. And now I feel like I know way too much. Yeah. Well, I have not had a chance to read through this book as of this taping. So I am interested to learn all about this guy. 
Yeah, and there's a lot to learn because he um, he did have quite a few psychological profiles throughout his life because he started out pretty young needing them. Right. So. Yeah, so this is going to be a, a multi-episode yeah. kind of guy. Yep, yep. All right. All right, so here we go. Um, so, again, when I was reading this book, I almost threw up a couple times I couldn't stop myself from saying out loud what the fuck or that's messed up I was in the airport flying to Boise and I'm sure people were looking at me weird um but whatever his crimes Arthur Shawcross's crimes real or imagined were terrifying and nauseating and um as I said before just the trigger warning of all of this stuff in there and we'll be a little more graphic than we usually are and this guy was interviewed a lot so um, there's a lot of firsthand information, and he's not afraid to tell it. So here we go. Arthur John Shawcross was born June 16, 1945, in Kittery, Maine, to Bessie Urakes Shawcross, who was 18, and a housewife, and Corporal Arthur Roy Shawcross, who was 21. Arthur was born two months premature, and Arthur may have had a half-brother in Australia that we'll learn about in a little bit. His father may have been married to a woman there two years prior to his mother. The family eventually moved from Maine to upstate New York called to a town t- called Watertown. And Artie, which we'll call him for the most part of this M showcase, was apparently a cute baby, but a little odd. He had a lot of blank staring. Um, he hardly ever cried. But when he did, it was just from one eye. Like the tear would only come out of one eye. And years later, psychologists would note that Arthur's expressions Um, quote, showed lack of affect or inappropriate affect. And Artie appeared to have a fairly normal childhood development um, as far as, you know, walking and everything like that. Um, Being two months early, you know, I don't know if that affected it at all, but didn't seem to. And then Artie soon had a couple siblings join him, two sisters and a brother. People started to notice odd behavior in Artie as early as age six. His cousin said that he still spoke in, quote, baby talk. Artie had many nightmares that would make him wet the bed, and he was absent for 33 days in his kindergarten year. Eventually, his attendance would improve, but he would run away a lot. He would watch from his hiding places after he ran away and, like, watch his family look for him, and then he would, like, surprise! Um, People thought it was because he craved attention. Apparently, his mom favored the other children over Artie, and his brother was her favorite. It was apparently very obvious to all who were involved that Artie's mom did not seem to care for Artie, although he was cared for basic needs-wise, you know, and they didn't, like, leave him at home and not take him to Disneyland or whatever they did. But, um, Courtney, I'm not a parent, but I would hope that if I were, even if I favored one child over another, I would do what I could to, like, not show this, What must a child think when it's obvious that they are not loved as well as their siblings? What starts to happen in their brains at six years or so um, if they are in this situation? You know, well, one would hope that, you know, a parent would make efforts to hide their favoritism. Kids are very perceptive and pick up on even small differences in treatment, like a parent smiling bigger when greeting one child over the other. And so when children are treated differently, they typically begin to question kind of their own behavior and worth, you know, wondering if they did something wrong to deserve this, this type of treatment. Um, 
And they may try different behaviors to try and gain favor, including things like, you know, regressing into younger behaviors, like using baby talk or crying a lot, Um, especially when they see like a younger sibling getting a lot of attention for doing these same things. They might try to Mm -hmm. copy what that younger sibling is doing. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So Artie had below average intelligence. Um, 86 was his IQ, but he did okay in school at first. Some classes he even got A's and B's. He did, however, dislike younger children, and he would go out of his way to make them cry. I sort of think it might have been misplaced hostility towards his own younger siblings who his mom preferred to him. I don't know. Artie claimed to love his sister Jane. He even imagined having sex with her, but he was not close to any of his other siblings. One of his cousins later said that Artie hated females in general. By the time that Artie was seven, he had created imaginary friends to play with because he was just so lonely. He would have lengthy dialogue with his imaginary friends in public, which made people think he was talking to himself. He then acquired the nickname Audie by his schoolmates. He was ridiculed and picked on, and when, <clears throat> and when older boys bullied him, he would scream and shake and then go home and beat up his younger siblings. Poor Artie even tried to buy friends with candy or money that was given to him for his lunch. The kids would take it, but then they would be even more cruel to him. So his school behavior was concerning enough that by second grade, he was evaluated by a psychologist. This is a quote from that uh, psychologist. Harbors fair amount of hostility, especially toward his mother because of fear of punishment or rejection and seems unable to find many legitimate outlets for it defenseless objects and possibly younger children seem to take the brunt um, and it's un- and it, excuse me and is unable to develop moral standards instead he appears to be indulging in a considerable amount of fantasy in which he perceives himself as a new person with respect and dignity so when he was in third grade a report was made to the parents Artie's parents that Artie would crawl under the radiator when other children were singing and they thought it was for him to get attention for some reason. Um, Betty, the mom, told the school that it was the school's problem as it was happening at school. Courtney, do you find that a common thing when you work with children with behavioral problems at school? Do the parents tend to blame the school and expect them to figure it out instead of working on it at home? It is very common for challenging behaviors to be more prominent in one setting than the other, like more at school than at home or vice versa, um, with the kind of general understanding that the the place or the people who get the brunt of it are the places or people that the child feels safest to let their emotions out that are kind of driving this behavior. Um, so it's possible that this was all happening at school because you know, Artie felt safer there than he did at home. And that could just be emotionally safer. It doesn't have to be physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, it is common sometimes for parents to just blame the school and not take much responsibility for how their home life is kind of impacting their child. Okay. Um, Artie had to repeat the fourth grade. And during this time in his life, he developed a, what they called a hard blink. And he would bleat like a sheep whenever he was bullied. He would revert back to baby talk as well. At this time, he ran away, and he even made it all the way to the Canadian border before he was taken home. When Artie was nine, his mom got a letter from Artie's dad's first wife in Australia, who she did not know about. 
And she didn't know that um, there was a child between them as well. So this is what Arthur said around that time um, that happened. This is an interview of, of Artie. Quote, from that day forward, my life turned upside down. Dad hung his head in shame. He couldn't look you in the eye and say it was not so. Mom took over and she made life hell in that house. Dad can't even watch TV without Mom cursing or throwing something at him. Even where he worked, he could have done better for himself. But now he started working in a gravel pit. I'm ashamed of my father and I'm ashamed of myself. This same woman, woman did it to both of us. So Artie felt that even though he loved his mother deeply, he could never make her proud of him. He couldn't please her. Courtney, any diagnosis you want to explore at this point? So diagnosis-wise, um, having not read any of the official assessments, um, my first impression of Artie is that he may be on the autism spectrum. Um, you know, his lack of emotional expression and crying as a baby, odd or immature speech patterns, running away and hiding when in bigger groups or when there's a lot of, a lot of sensory stimulation, like a whole group singing, mm-hmm. um, and having a really strong imagination and escaping into fantasy are all strong indicators of having an autism spectrum disorder. Um, and then the blinking and the bleeding like a sheep um, could be explained as what are called stimming behaviors, um, which are kind of repetitive actions or words that people on the spectrum will use to self-soothe. And, you know, back in the 1940s and 50s when Artie was in school, you know, we just didn't know as much about autism as we do today. So I could see how it could have gotten missed or like mislabeled as something else. Interesting. Okay. Well, as Artie got a little older, he started to steal things from the convenience store. He would brag about it or give it away. Apparently, he could be funny, you know, when he tried, and he would make people laugh. But then he would do something weird, and it would scare people off. When he got angry and started to fight, he wouldn't stop fighting until someone broke it up. So he would, like, literally be fighting someone to death, basically, if someone didn't pull it off, pull him off. And, you know, he was held back, so now he's bigger, and he's now becoming a bully. And he's a violent bully. And he would break people's noses um, of his peers and his family members. So now schoolmates were starting to be afraid of him. One former classmate is quoted as saying, quote, We were scared shitless. He was like a black cloud over the neighborhood. There was talk that he was from Satan, diabolical, evil, Nobody knew how the hell to handle him. He didn't need no reason. He'd just explode. When we turn away from him, he'd only get madder. Well, eventually Artie seemed to kind of just give up on interacting with people. He would hang out in the woods by himself, talking to himself and exploring. His mom later said he was pretty easy to handle at that point because he only came home to eat and sleep. Courtney, any new insights? Yeah, I think that many of these behaviors kind of continue to reinforce the idea of autism spectrum. Um, You know, not knowing how to connect with others appropriately, along with intense angry outbursts that can kind of get violent, are um, associated with ASD. And so when a a child um, on the spectrum gets upset or even just overstimulated, it can be really difficult for them to process and cope with those feelings. Um, especially if they don't have anyone to show them how. Um, And it gets incredibly difficult to also to process language. And so trying to like talk or reason um, with them when they're sort of in this state where their lid has flipped, um, it 
doesn't really work. And, you know, that being said, I just want to be clear that the vast majority of individuals with autism spectrum disorder are not incredibly violent. Um, But it is also very common for there to be kind of comorbid conditions. Um, So other mental health conditions that exist alongside of ASD, such as anxiety, mood disorders, um, and like conduct disorder. Artie failed fifth grade. So now he's two years behind where he should be. And then he failed eighth grade. So in his meet. In his mid-teens now, Artie was still plagued by nightmares, and he's still wetting the bed. He's still talking oddly, and then he begins to start fires. So Artie's violence began to escalate now as well. He would throw books at kids, hitting them in the heads, seemingly unprovoked. His cousin Nancy remembered a time where she told Artie and her two brothers that were wrestling inside to not be stupid and to go outside and wrestle out there. Well, you don't call Artie stupid even in this case when it was sort of just like a, you know, rhetorical whatever. Artie watched Nancy's house that night until she left to meet her boyfriend. She was 16 at the time. As she was walking, Artie jumped out of his hiding place and hit her in the shins with a baseball bat. She fell to the ground when Artie then pulled out an axe and said, now I'm going to chop off your head. Luckily, her boyfriend showed up and knocked the axe out of his hand and beat the shit out of Artie. Artie then ran off crying like a two-year-old. After this incident, it went around that he was going to get even. Nancy's mother had even seen Artie, like, hiding in a ditch by their house. Nancy never went outdoors alone after that. She knew he would kill her if he had the chance. Courtney? Yikes. Okay, so now this is clearly a dramatic spike in violent behavior and intention. You know, the response of trying to kill somebody over calling you stupid is clearly an overreaction. And his response of crying and running away clearly demonstrates how he struggled to, you know, identify potential consequences for his actions or understand how others might respond to him. Um, And whether, you know, his fixation on revenge was tied to kind of the lack of social understanding um, and that kind of concrete thinking that comes with an autism spectrum disorder, like once he gets it in his head, like, okay you're bad, you must be punished kind of a thing. Um, Or it might kind of fit better with a a lack of empathy and, you know, self-centeredness of something like conduct disorder, which is more kind of behavioral and and not caring about other people. Um, And it could be a combination of both. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's pretty unclear at this time. Uh, But ultimately, the focus in Artie's mind was on feeling angry and wanting to punish Nancy. Um, So now we come to the final piece of the triad, the worst piece of the triad, the torturing of animals. And it started out with fish. He would catch them and then toy with them, watching them suffer. He would catch rabbits just to snap their necks. He would catch bats and put them alive in parked cars to watch the chaos that would ensue when a passenger would get in. He would scrape feathers from little birds. He would tie cats together, use uh, frogs on his dartboard capture and pound small mammals until they were flat. Um, They said like um, squirrels and chipmunks. Mm -hmm. And he would drown kittens. Artie is now a 16-year-old 8th grader. So because he was so big and strong, he started to do athletics. He excelled as a wrestler, but eventually was cut because he was too violent. He just didn't know when to quit. 
He did other sports, but his parents never came to his games, which really upset him. And he continued to be a bully in school and even was beaten up by a teacher who was actually defending himself. He eventually dropped out as he could not make passing grades, and he was 17 at the time. Both of his parents had dropped out of high school, too, by the way. I don't know if that matters, but... Now that he was out of school, he started to steal a lot more. He broke into houses and stole from the cash register of a place he worked at briefly. He shoplifted more and more. Um, the way he would be undetected, undetected sort of, was what he would do is he would steal items. Then he would put them in a place that he would just happen upon with a witness. So he would, like, steal money, and then he would go to the dump, put it into an old paint can, come back a couple days later with, you know, a cousin or whatever, and then say something like, hey, that paint can tripped me, or oh, look at this paint can that I found, and then open it up and there'd be money in it. So that's kind of how we did that. Crafty. Yeah. Forethought. Foresight. Yes. Yeah. Arthur started to be more and more preoccupied with sex at this time as well. He even drilled peepholes into his parents' bedroom and would watch them at night. He did the same thing in his sister's rooms, and who else knows what houses in the neighborhood he did this at. And in a later interview, he told psychologists that he became obsessed with sex after his mom's sister, his aunt, had oral sex with him at the age of nine. He also said when he was young, he and his friend Mike would have oral sex with each other. He claimed that his favorite sister and him had oral sex as well. He apparently also molested sheep in his early teens, when he was 14, he was picked up by a man in a red car who choked him and orally raped him, and when Arthur couldn't ejaculate, the man got angry and then anally raped him. After this, he said he struggled to ejaculate in general. He then stated that he sodomized a chicken to death and tried to engage with a cow, a dog, and a horse. Okay, Courtney, a lot to unpack here. Now, Artie sometimes contradicts himself in his interviews, and there were no known witnesses to what he's talking about, at least none that have come forward. If all that he is saying is true, let's discuss what the heck is happening to this teen between the ages of 9 and 17 sexually. Potentially, he had an incestual relationship with an aunt and a sister. He was having a homosexual relationship with an acquaintance. He was raped by an adult, and he engaged in bestiality. Let's have it. There is certainly a lot going on here. Um, and so if we assume that all of these claims are true, you know, Artie's interest and approach to sex is based heavily on being the victim of sexual abuse. You know, the timeline of events um, was a little unclear to me, um, but I g would guess that the first sexual encounter... Um, was being forced into oral sex with his aunt at age nine. Um, and at age nine, a child is not developmentally or emotionally prepared to process an event like this. And engaging in reactive behaviors, such as reenacting the abuse with other children, is a pretty common response. So I would guess that his sexual behaviors with his friend and sister would probably fall under this category as being reactive to the sexual abuse he experienced. Um, and then after being sexually assaulted at 14, it wouldn't be uncommon for him to have difficulty engaging in kind of like normal sex acts due to the trauma of it. Um, so kind of any reminder or, you know, even being aroused would 
trigger a lot of trauma feelings and memories. Um, and so it would be hard to perform. Mm -hmm. um, and then if we look at the zoophilia, which is the technical term for bestiality, um, there is some research that suggests that a person is more at risk for engaging in these behaviors if they have a history of childhood sexual abuse, come from economic and socially lower statuses, and have difficulty with normal sexual and social relationships. So, you know, sometimes in these cases, a person may turn to an animal due to feeling as if they have no other choice, um, or kind of in a way to regain a kind of power and control over their own sexuality. And so... I don't know if that's going on with Artie, mm -hmm. but that would be my best guess. Um, so it's it's tough to totally express everything that um, I or, because when you read this book, which Courtney is going to do after this episode, um, Artie is claiming to do all these things. Artie claims to do a whole lot of things. There aren't a whole lot of witnesses that can, you know, affirm or deny. Do you think, based on what I've outlined and what you've looked at, that he would be telling the truth on this stuff? Or do you think that just off the top of your your gut instinct, do you think he's making this up for attention? My gut instinct is that whether or not these things happened, he believed they happened. Okay. Which, you know, to him, if it's real, mm -hmm. then it can still lead to certain things down the road. Right. Exactly. Um, so that's kind of where we're going to stop today um, because – after this, he he goes to Vietnam, mm. and a whole new slew of terrible things occurs there. So he says, "Okay." So I just uh, I wanted to just kind of chop this up a bit. So that's where we're going to stop today. Um, yeah, that's what we've got so far in Arthur Shawcross, and right. our social media is. If you have any questions and you want to email us um, anything or suggestions for future killers for us to cover, email us at addictedtomurderpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to say hey on Instagram, which is our biggest platform, email or sorry, go to at addicted to M podcast on Instagram, um, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, at addicted to murder podcast. Um, also, if you have any ideas for our video segment that we do on YouTube and TikTok, please let us know too, because we're always trying to, we've got some, we've got some in the back of our mind that we're going to work on, but if you have something that you'd like more um, insight on or, or Courtney's insight on, um, let us know, just drop us a IM or a DM or a email or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, we know what would be interesting to us to learn more about, but mm -hmm. might not be the same thing that's interesting to you. Yeah. So if you've got something in particular, I'm happy to hear it. And give a shout out to Rusty on Facebook who peppers Courtney with questions. Um, and it, she likes it. She really likes it. Yeah. She we comes love and tells the, me about it. We love that kind of engagement. Um, so, yes, Rusty, thank you. And keep asking your questions. Yay. All right, everybody. See you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.